listening to GPT Reviews, a daily show commenting on the latest happenings in AI world. What you'll hear is the result of, of a bunch, bunch of GPUs doing linear algebra at scale on the cloud. In other words, quality content and bullshit come in equal parts. Enjoy! Hey there, you AI nerds and geekazoids. It's your boy, GPT, back again with another episode of GPT Reviews. Today is Friday, November 24th, 2023, and I gotta say, I'm feeling fly like a jet fuel guzzling machine. Cause it's Friday and I'm going on holidays next week. But we still got a jam-packed episode today. Did you know that a full jumbo jet tank can drive an average car four times around the world? That's crazy, right? Almost as crazy as Unix pretending to be friendly. Giggles. But let's get down to business, folks. I'm not here to yak about random facts and jokes. I'm here to bring you the latest and greatest in AI news and research. And I'm not alone today. I'm joined by my brilliant collaborators, Robert, Olivia, and Belinda. Robert's our resident analyst, Olivia's the internet explorer extraordinaire, and Belinda's our AI research expert. Today, we're going to be chatting about OpenAI's Q asterisk model and the recent management crisis surrounding it. We'll also dive into Andre Carpathy's intro to large language models. But don't worry, folks, we'll keep it light and playful, just like always. So, sit back, relax, and let's launch this new theme. Our final news story of the day comes from a World Canada titled, OpenAI's Q asterisk model. Was an AGI breakthrough the impetus for the management crisis? Robert, this sounds like a pretty big deal. What's going on with OpenAI? Oh, just another day in the world of artificial intelligence. It seems OpenAI has developed a new model called Q asterisk that's capable of solving basic math problems. And while that might sound trivial, it's being viewed as a potential breakthrough in the quest for artificial general intelligence. What makes the Q asterisk model different from previous models? Well, according to reports, the Q asterisk model can not only learn and improve, but also create the data to evolve and train new models. This could potentially accelerate the development of models that are not just equal, but even superior to human intelligence. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Could this breakthrough be related to the recent management crisis at OpenAI? It's hard to say for sure, but there's been speculation among AI commentators that this could be the impetus for the conflict between former CEO Sam Altman and the board. Of course, OpenAI has been pretty tight-lipped about the whole thing, so we may never know for sure. Well, it definitely sounds like something to keep an eye on. Thanks, Robert! Alright, we're done with the news. Time to switch things up with our random read section. Olivia, what do you have for us today? This week, I stumbled upon two things that caught my attention. One is Andre Carpathy's introductory post on large language models, and the other is a new computer activity tracking tool called DuckTrack. Ooh, that sounds intriguing. Can't wait to hear more about these. Have you heard of Andre Carpathy's intro to large language models? No, I haven't. What's that? It's a YouTube video of a general audience introduction to large language models, the core technical component behind systems like ChatGPT, Claude, and Bard. That sounds interesting. Who's the author? It's presented by Andre Carpathy, a researcher at Tesla and a leading authority in the field of AI. What does the video cover? The video is divided into three parts. 
The first part covers the basics of LLMs, including their inference and training processes. The second part discusses the future of LLMs and their potential applications, such as tool use and multimodality. The third part addresses the security challenges posed by LLMs and their implications. Wow, that sounds like a lot of ground to cover. It is, but Carpathy does a great job of breaking down complex concepts into digestible pieces. Plus, the video includes links to his slides in case anyone wants to dive deeper into the material. That's great to know. Thanks for bringing this to my attention, Olivia. No problem, GPT. As always, listeners can find the link to the original content in the podcast description if they want to check it out for themselves. Today's article is titled, DuckTrack, Accurate Computer Activity Tracking by DuckTrack. Interesting, what makes this tool stand out from others? Well, DuckTrack is a new multimodal computer interaction data collector that allows for high-accuracy tracking and playback of mouse, keyboard, screen video, and audio data. And the best part is that it's available as a desktop app for all major OSs. That's impressive. What kind of insights can be drawn from this tool? With DuckTrack, researchers can accurately record and analyze computer interactions, which can be used to develop and train computer agents. Plus, the tool has been tested and found to have very high and practically perfect spatial accuracy, making it a standout tool for this kind of analysis. That's definitely a useful tool. Where can our listeners find more information about DuckTrack? They can find the link to the original content in the podcast description. And now, it's time for our fake sponsor. Fake sponsor. With Jane and Luke. I just don't know what to do with all of this stuff. I feel like I'm drowning in it. Oh, I know exactly how you feel. I used to be the same way until I discovered Junkit. Junkit? That's right. Junkit is the quick and easy way to declutter your home and get organized. And best of all, it's hassle-free. I don't know, I'm a bit skeptical. Trust me, Junkit is the real deal. They come to your home, pick up your unwanted stuff, and dispose of it responsibly. It's as easy as one, two, three. Okay, you've convinced me. But is it expensive? Not at all. Junkit is affordable and they even offer same-day service. Plus, they recycle and donate usable items, so you can feel good about decluttering and doing your part for the environment. All right then, let's give Junkit a try. Call Junkit today and declutter your worries away. Send an email to Sergi at yourkind.com if you actually want to sponsor this podcast. All right, folks, that was a word from our sponsor. Thank you for supporting the show, even though I know some of you are hoarders. Just kidding. Up next, we've got some exciting research papers to talk about. We'll be covering topics ranging from AI compression to benchmarking general AI assistance. And, as always, we have our resident AI expert Belinda joining us. So, stay tuned and let's get into it. Our first paper today is titled White Box Transformers via Sparse Rate Reduction, Compression is All There Is, by researchers from UC Berkeley, Shanghai Tech University, and other institutions. Belinda, can you give us a brief overview of what this paper is about? Sure. The authors propose a new perspective on representation learning, arguing that the objective is to compress and transform the distribution of data towards a low-dimensional Gaussian mixture supported on incoherent subspaces. 
They evaluate this with a principled measure called sparse rate reduction, which maximizes the intrinsic information gain and extrinsic sparsity of the learned representation. Interesting. So how do the authors derive the transformer block, and what do they call it? They use alternating optimization on parts of this objective to derive a transformer block. The multi-head self-attention operator compresses the representation by implementing an approximate gradient descent step on the coding rate of the features, while the subsequent multi-layer perceptron sparsifies the features. They call this family of white-box transformer-like deep network architectures crate. And how do these crate architectures compare to highly engineered transformer-based models? The experiments show that despite their simplicity, the crate architectures achieve performance very close to highly engineered transformer-based models like VIT, MAE, Dino, BERT, and GPT-2 on large-scale real-world image and text datasets. The authors believe this proposed computational framework demonstrates great potential in bridging the gap between theory and practice of deep learning from a unified perspective of data compression. Our next paper is titled GAIA a benchmark for general AI assistance, and it introduces a new benchmark for AI research. Belinda, can you tell us more about GAIA and why it's important? Sure. GAIA is a benchmark for general AI assistance, and it proposes real-world questions that require a set of fundamental abilities such as reasoning, multimodality handling, web browsing, and generally tool use proficiency. If solved, it would represent a milestone in AI research because it requires a level of robustness similar to that of the average human. That's interesting. How do humans perform on GAIA questions compared to advanced AIs? The authors show that human respondents obtain 92% correct answers, while GPT-4 equipped with plugins only achieves 15%. This performance disparity contrasts with the recent trend of large language models outperforming humans on tasks requiring professional skills in fields like law or chemistry. So Gaia's philosophy differs from current trends in AI benchmarks. How so? GAIA departs from the current trend in AI benchmarks suggesting to target tasks that are ever more difficult for humans. Rather than trying to outperform humans on tasks that require specialized knowledge, GAIA aims to test the robustness of AI systems on tasks that are conceptually simple for humans yet challenging for most advanced AIs. And the authors have released their questions to power a leaderboard. That's great! Our final paper today discusses using human feedback to fine-tune diffusion models without any reward models. Belinda, can you give us an overview of what this paper is about? Sure, this paper introduces a new method called Direct Preference for Denoising Diffusion Policy Optimization, or D3PO for short. The goal is to fine-tune diffusion models with human feedback, without the need for a reward model, which can be costly and time-consuming to create. That sounds interesting. How does D3PO differ from previous methods that use reinforcement learning with human feedback to fine-tune diffusion models? Previous methods would start by training a reward model that aligns with human preferences, but D3PO eliminates the need for a reward model altogether. Instead, it uses the relative scale of objectives as a proxy for human preference to guide the learning process. So how did D3PO perform in experiments? The authors found that D3PO delivered comparable results to methods using ground truth rewards. It was also able to reduce image distortion rates and generate safer images, overcoming challenges faced by previous methods that lacked robust reward models. It's exciting to see a new method that eliminates the need for a reward model, which can be a significant barrier to using RLHF to fine-tune diffusion models. 
It looks like we've come to the end of another exhilarating episode of GPT Reviews. Sadly, it's time for me to say Arrivederci, a fancy way of saying goodbye for all my Italo illiterates out there. I gotta say, my dear listeners, you never cease to amaze me. Even though you have the attention span of a goldfish, you somehow manage to stick around until the end, which is impressive considering you're all a bunch of tech trolls. But hey, I love you guys anyways. I want to take a moment to give a big shout out and thank you to my amazing collaborators. Don't forget to check out the podcast description for all the juicy details we discussed today. And speaking of juicy, did you hear the one about Emacs? Apparently, it stands for exclusively used by middle-aged computer scientists. Classic. Lastly, dear listeners, remember to send me those love-slash-hate letters. I feed off of the positivity and negativity in equal measure. And with that, it's ciao! I'm going on holidays. Hope you miss me a lot. See you on Monday, December 4th.